Hello, welcome to CarCast and Edmund's podcast. I'm Matt DeAndrea here with Alistair Weaver. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello, everybody. Uh, Friday afternoon is recording this. So I've been had a whack of caffeine and ready to go. Ready to go. This isn't our normal uh, recording time. It's been kind of a crunch time for you guys at, at Edmunds going through, basically going through the numbers. There's a reality to, there's a business that has to happen, right? But part of the business for you guys is is buying cars, not just getting press cars, but buying cars and objectively being able to test them, own them, live with them, put them out to the employees, take them on road trips, you know, put car seats in them and not really worry about, you know, hey, this is a prototype. This is a press car. I don't want to bust up the leather or have my kid in there. Like you guys buy a bunch of cars. But how do you guys put together a budget to figure out what you're going to buy? Which I'm sure is fun because you make a wish list of cars you want to buy and go, can we buy these things? Uh, and then kind of how does it happen? Yeah, so uh, we were just talking off air because I mean that we've sort of submitting our budgets for the for the year, which I'm sure if anybody's listening is probably going through the same thing at this time of year. Uh, so it's nice just to shut up and talk about cars for once. Um, yeah, how do we do it? Well, we basically look at the market and say like, where's the interest? You know, what cars should we be running? You know what what cars are obviously you know going to generate a lot of noise, a lot of interest. What are you know significant vehicles? That's why you know big policy of buying EVs. And I know a lot of people watching this, uh, watching this now on YouTube or uh, indeed listening to us. And you know we'll be saying why the focus EVs. Well, you know frankly it's the future, and it's also the probably the most interesting part of the market uh, as we start to buy a lot of the startups and things like that and see them evolve and see these cars grow through over the air updates. So we kind of came up with a list and the reality is last year we we put a kind of list together and then when we looked at it and got to the end of the year, it's like actually we've barely been able to spend the money because so many vehicles have have been delayed. You know, yeah. we haven't got our pause on a cyber truck yet, although hopefully it's coming soon. Uh Silverado EV, um not here. Yeah, that's delayed. Uh, uh that's delayed uh tesla new tesla the model three uh well we just put an order in for that we might you know might get it in the next couple of months uh there was a whole bunch of stuff you know corvette e-ray we were thinking about we had a the standard corvette we thought the e-ray would be really interesting reality is a that cars you know still can't get hold of one and b you know i'm not sure there's quite as much interest as though as there once was yeah, so I, think, I just think the buzz kind of faded on that car like Z z06 just seemed to even if E-Race faster or has better numbers, it just seems like eh, it's just not what Corvette customers are looking for. Where the Z06, just all motor like that is just the way they wanted it, yeah. I guess. It's it's the way Corvette is, isn't it? And then, you know, and then looking ahead, there's a lot of bu bunch of really interesting things coming in the next year. You know, Macan EV, I think it's a really interesting vehicle. It's going to be a ton of cash. Uh, but we went and had a look at that for the first time. You know, so so it's... It's a strange thing. We, you know, we're affected by the market like everybody else. Can you actually, you know, when these cars are delayed or you can't get into them, or if there's, you know, I think the days of markup have have gone apart from on the, the you know, the the odd hyper exotic. Uh, but it's still, you know, there's still supply issues, as you know, and a lot of the EVs have been delayed, and yeah, it's um, yeah, same pressures as everybody else. But in some ways, that's part of the that's part of the fun and part of the experience of, you know, when can we get into these cars. You know, we've got so many you know, startup car companies right now that we 
we kind of cut them a little slack because they're new. So we've kind of gone through the lineup of cars and you guys have acquired a bunch of them. Fisker, Lucid, Rivian, you know, of course, Tesla. Um, and and there maybe there's more on the horizon, you know, VinFast, Mullen that you guys are going to get into at some point. And we kind of expect some flaws with those cars. But when somebody like BMW, Ford, GM, Audi, you know, who've been doing this for a while, come out with something new, even EV, you expect some sort of quality control. I guess we just don't cut them as much slack as as we are the yeah. startup companies. Uh yeah, well, I mean, guess as a as a company, we get into you know it's a difficult place because we talked a lot about the the Chevy uh, problems last last week on last week's show, um, and about the you know the stop sale and every everything else on the Blazer EV. The reality is, our job is to advise consumers what to buy. So if I'm saying you know if you're asking me the purpose you have, like Alistair, would you what do you think of this? I got to give you a straight opinion and and unfortunately whether it's a startup or not isn't kind of relevant to you the car shopper because you're looking for a vehicle that takes the kids to school most of the time so i think you can caveat it and say look if you're buying a fisker today the fisker that we just bought the build quality because it's built by the same people who build mercedes and uh, bmw and others yeah the innate build quality is good it's much better than a tesla is, was at this point and a bit better than a, yeah Right. Yeah. That's what and we it's wanted. It's way better than Lucid, way better than Tesla was at the beginning, way better than, than the Rivian was at first. I mean, the Rivian's pretty good, actually. But the problem is their software is not, not quite here yet. So we're having a lot of problems with the software. So I think what you're saying to people is it is a journey. And if you want an EV that's like fresh off the line, particularly a startup EV, you know, all our experience is suggesting that, you know, you're going to have to go on that journey with the manufacturer. So our Rivian generally has been pretty good, but we've still had a bunch of hardware updates and a lot of software updates. The Lucid has got better and better as they basically evolved the software. And then, you know, the GM Blazer EV, the Chevy Blazer EV that we talked about last week, that's still an ongoing problem. Uh, that's still going to go in and get, get fixed. They're still waiting to roll that out. And then the Fisker we've bought, you know, has a bunch of, predominantly software related problems that are you know causing concern and we've just launched the first video on it on our youtube channel now and it's all about this narrative of you know buy this car but you're going to go on a journey and there are times when it's going to frustrate you probably while they sort out some of the stuff and some of it is they haven't done it yet so like we the first car we drove didn't really have cruise control as we recognize because they hadn't finished it yeah and, you know, in the days gone by, like you wouldn't like launch a car without windows that open. Uh, you would. Uh, you So, you know, but with software, it's, ah, we'll sort it out over the air. Is yeah. that you raising your hand? I just saw something flash on my screen. Uh, you were. You does that were, mean I want to talk? You were doing a, a, a thumbs up and it does the thumbs up when it sees you. I don't know why. Is it that does, right? But it, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it was you saying, shut up, I want to speak. No, no. It Is doesn't, that, how does it do that? It's a thing in Zoom. I don't know. It's just, I just noticed it uh, uh, a couple, I don't know, a couple meetings past that when you. I, I've never it, seen it, that before. It sees, it doesn't the, work with mine. The oh, there thumb. you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. 
I don't know why it does. Is that like know. raising a hand to speak? I don't know. Uh, I don't so, know what other gestures it does. It's kind of weird, but um, I think of of all the ones that you've been mentioning, GM and the Chevy Blazer is the big disappointment because they're not the new company, and Ford has been getting by fairly well with the Mach E and the extent the Ford Lightning, and then for GM to go, we're delaying the Silverado. Maybe it's a demand thing. Maybe it's a technology thing, and then the Blazer to be released and and have a stop sale. I guess that's a little, that's a, that's kind of a harsh blow for, for GM. I think it's a harsh blow for the industry. Cause I think, you know, if you're Jim Farley, Ford CEO, you know, you might have a wry smile about it, you know, cause your big rival suffering, but he's bad for the whole EV adoption thing. Yeah. And if they're betting the company on, you know, wholesale EV adoption, it's just bad. It's bad news for everybody. Who, is doing it right do we have bmw do we have any anything from stellantis that's going to be coming out which i guess they're they're not quite there yet um audi is 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 e-tron is like who's doing it right you mentioned rivian's doing pretty well you, uh, yeah you know, i, I like think of the startups which, rivian's yeah. you know rivian's rivian's been pretty good not perfect but it's been been pretty good um the one we were actually talking we had these like video planning meetings and we we're talking about what what should we do and one of that was about you know, looking at all the EVs we've owned and the reliability. And the real standout for us, we have a BMW iX, which is polarizing to look at, but it's a really great car, and that's been faultless. Okay. Um, It was involved in an accident, but that can't really count against it. So the, in terms of just, like, the reliability of the vehicle, it's been amazing, faultless. And, you know, BMW's been doing EVs for a while, so they've probably got it, you know, they've probably got it right. We're excited that, you know, the i5 is coming as well. That's a great vehicle. So BMW has been great. Um, but, you know, everybody else, Ford generally has done a good job. Volkswagen's done a good job. You know, the Lightning's had a few niggles, as you know. You own one. Mackie had a few niggles, but nothing nothing too dramatic, which I think, has, again, has made the GM thing. I mean, it's not like GM. It's not GM's first EV. You know, the, it's yeah. different technology, uh, very different technology to the Bolt. But, you know, the Bolt was actually a pretty in the end a pretty pretty decent little car so we will we will see but it's uh it doesn't it doesn't do the whole ev adoption thing any good when you know you add reliability to to the concerns about range and recharging and everything else yeah and and what 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 chevy was going to be doing with the blazer and getting into that price point in the more access, accessible higher volume version of the ev because we have some high-end cars obviously bmw is is a little bit higher end. Rivian came in expensive. Lucid's expensive. Um, Fisker is, you know, I guess initially expensive. I don't know where they're going to go from there. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But you know, and speaking of expensive, uh, you were driving the Rolls Royce Spectre, which, if people aren't aware, that's the electric version of the Rolls Royce. Which yeah. I think the EV Platinum uh, platform makes sense for them because it's it was always a big, heavy, high horsepower vehicle that was quiet and nice to drive. So making an EV version that's still quiet and comfortable and nice to drive is already heavy. You're not you're not changing the game. We're not trying to add electric motors and a gas engine into some sort of plug-in hybrid and make it lightweight and and have to juggle all the things like, you know, 
like the complexities of trying to do the NSX, right? You don't have that with with Rolls Royce, and arguably in the future with with Range Rover and their EV Range Rover. Yeah, I mean, if you go, it it all sort of goes back to when Rolls Royce and Bentley were split off, and if you remember, Volkswagen grabbed Bentley. It was a big sort of German carve up, wasn't it? That Volkswagen yeah. grabbed Bentley, and uh, uh, and then BMW grabbed Rolls Royce, and uh, you know, sort of a, a bad day for British patriotism in a way. Apart from the fact that the the companies have survived and prospered, and you know, are still based in the UK. But so a lot of what what this allowed Rolls Royce to do is basically borrow a lot of BMW stuff to develop an EV. So if you look harder at a Spectre. There's a lot of stuff in there that, that derives from the BMW i7, for example. But that's not a bad thing because it's a lot of proven technology and expertise. And Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny car. I mean, like, you know, look, this is not our Heartland at Edmunds. Our Heartland is, is like mainstream stuff, but it's an EV. We wanted to, like, you know, look at it as a benchmark. Rolls-Royce wanted us to do the range test and everything else on it so that we could, you know, they could share that data. And it's just a really interesting car to look at because they've, I think, recognizing their audience is, is a sort of weird mix, isn't it? Because it's conservative on one hand, but at the other hand, it's a big ostentatious display of wealth. Yeah. And, and historically, there's been a lot of kind of bling Rolls Royces. Like you look, go back as far as like John Lennon in the 60s had these very kind of hand painted extrovert Rolls Royces. So it's, so, but the look of it is still very old school rolls. It's a coupe with the suicide doors, and it's if you like haven't four hundred and fifty thousand something like that, uh, starting price. Yeah, I can yeah. get into the Monroni right, so on the it's... car that we drove, but <laughs> and it has like the hood is as big as most SUVs. Like the hood goes on forever, and we were in the office car park. So, like, what the hell's under the hood then? Is it like a frunk? Because this thing is like you know, it's as long as my house. And you open the you open the the the, the hood, and all it's got is like a big aluminum sheet that says Spectre on it, and that's basically it. So it's like, what the hell's under here? Because so it's a massive car that can you know there are in the back. It's like one of those Rolls Royce coupes where there are kind of like it's a properish four seater. Um, right. I managed to stuff the car seats in the back. In fact, my four year old appeared to like have a ride in this Rolls Royce, and she was like, "Oh, I'm going to colour in the back, Dada." I like appeared with a bunch of felt tip pens and I was like, that ain't happening. <laughs> I, don't right. care how, yeah. I don't care. I don't care how much if we have a complete meltdown over this, that's not happening because that's your college education right there. If you mark this car. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's no real storage under the hood. There's no storage under the hood. There's a decent trunk. So it's basically like a gas powered Rolls Royce coupe. Um, like inside the Wraith at, was. It's, yeah, it kind of looks Wraith. like the Wraith and, yeah, it's sort of an electric wraith in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a beautiful way to travel. It's I'm not sure, no matter how real wealthy as well, it's ever quite me, just because it's such a, it's such a statement of wealth. Yeah, like it's impossible just to sort of arrive in that part because it's massive. It's you know, it's got you know, it's got the spirit of ecstasy you know at the front of it the doors open in the suicide fashion. So everything's a spectacle. Does so you've it, just got to be very comfortable with saying, I am fabulously wealthy and I don't care. You know, it is. And it has to still have that ride quality, that magic carpet ride that, that Rolls Royce has been known for. 
right? It's, yeah, which is it, arguably one of the nicest driving vehicles out there. Do you know what I really liked about it? Yeah, even on twenty-three inch rims, which is what it had. What I what I really liked about it is it's obviously a very digital car. It's an EV, but in many ways it was very analog in like the best Rolls Royces. So like the air conditioning doesn't have like you know it's not all digital. You actually just you know, like rotate these little dials to turn it up and down, like okay. really going the old old school roles. You have, you don't have like endless driving modes. You basically got an option of, do you want regenerative braking or not? And after that, you just drive the thing. There's no launch control. There's no, there's no sort of, it's quite an analog experience. The steering wheel in the best rolls is huge and quite, and quite, quite yeah. thin rimmed. And, and you just sort of like waft along and it's super quiet. It's fat, you know, it's, it, they used they used to this thing, didn't they? Where Rolls and Bentley wouldn't quote power and torque figures. They used to just say it's ample. Yeah. And now they do quote it, but it's still ample. We, we had it down at the test track. So I've got the, uh, I've got the test numbers on it as well, which is always quite a matter. And I'm curious, the, like kind of the range and the performance. I mean, first of all, do you, do you recall what it weighs? It's gotta be massive i mean yeah i've got it on i should have it on I this think my dot. lightning I, I, is like seven thousand pounds so it's got to be six uh six thousand four hundred and seventeen on our oh. scales it's almost so as much as what the, what the, the yeah. lightning weighs yeah all right what's she what's your zero to 60 guess i you know because it's such a big car i i i still think it happens in probably four seconds yeah, three point three point nine, which I think going going back in the day was like Ferrari F forty fast. Yeah, quarter of a mile, twelve seconds dead at one hundred and sixteen point three. So that's, I mean, like you can get like Tesla fanboys jumping on the call saying, "Ah, well, the Plaid does it too," but nobody wants to sit in yeah. a Rolls Royce and do. Nobody wants to sit in a Rolls Royce and do zero to sixteen four seconds. Frankly, you know that is that's more than enough performance. And then on the on the skid pad, I think it was point nine six G, which again is. That seems you know, impressive. That's a lot of grip, right? For something point nine point nine four. I'm sorry, point nine four, but that's still a, you know, that that's still a, a pretty impressive figure. It stops well, you know, tons of grip. The only thing that it wasn't good at was stop. the range. Oh, so, I was going to say stopping. No, stopping is good. Stopping, it, it it'll stop. Yeah. Uh, but your range is a bit icky. So. 266 on the EPA on, on the Edmunds EV range test. We did 281, which is okay. That's in, that's in line with most mainstream cars, but nothing compared to like a lucid or anything like the, the really long range, uh, long range yeah. stuff. I, I was kind of expecting you were going to say it was going to be around that, that, that 280 range. So that's probably about right. So your big I, issue I, then. Yeah, because it's probably not very efficient because it's six and a the efficiency is not great. So, but then it's that then you're into this world. Of, so, really, like if you own one of these things, it's not your skiing car, is it? It's not your, it might get you to Palm Springs, but it's it's going to be your tool around, you know, relatively it, it, modest it, it, distances because you're not going to call it Walmart. You're not going to stick it into a, even a Tesla supercharger. You're not going to, you know, yeah. it's not going to happen. I, it's interesting because I was going to ask, why would Rolls-Royce start their EV program with a coupe, with something like the Wraith and not with the SUV or the four-door? And and my guess is you kind of answered the question right there. It's because those vehicles are probably 
for the audience with a longer range. If you started with the Wraith and and probably something with the seven series platform they're going, because it's a big car, even though it's a coupe, it's a big car. They're probably going, well, how much battery, how much range, what, where are we with battery technology and, and all of that? And then, I don't know, if, if it was the SUV and it was 250 mile range, I'd be like, doesn't seem like it's enough range. You've got a huge vehicle, room for a massive battery, uh, even a taller, thicker battery, right? I feel like Range Rover needs to do this as well when they come out with their electric truck. And I don't know what the range is going to be, but it needs to be at least 300 and it should be closer to 400. Yeah. And this is, I guess the other thing that's sort of slightly paradoxical is if you get a Phantom, then it's basically a chauffeur car. Yeah. And that probably then makes sense because your chauffeur is going to go and fill it up. Whereas the (laughs) idea of the Rolls Royce Coupe is that you drive it. This it's, is your weekend the drivers car. Rolls Royce, right? Yeah. So actually the range thing, if it kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure I'd say good. Cause if, if you've got a Cullinan or a Phantom, then actually, you know, you're going to be driven. So while you're, you know, at lunch, then, you know, whatever, whoever is going to go and fill it, go and top it up a bit. So we'll see. I mean, it's a, it's, it's an integral for all the reasons that you say it makes total sense because it's super quiet, super talky, super relaxed. And so it's when, a lovely, it's a lovely way to travel. When they do like the SUV, the perfect audience for that is, is you know the win in Las Vegas. I don't know how many like Rolls Royces the win bought for their VIPs, but that's the perfect vehicle, right? You you get the win to buy twenty of those things, electric Rolls Royces, not the coupe, but the chauffeur versions. You park them all in a garage You you and you just pick up your VIPs from the airport and you take them around town and you just charge it again. And like, that's, that's the perfect, yeah. you know, vehicle for, you know, for EV because now, by the way, they're, they're quiet. You pull them in the garages, you know, like uh, without emissions and fumes and all kinds of stuff. Like there's so much more you can do with it. I'm sure the wind will figure out a way to pull it right up to your room because it's got no emissions. You can just get in and and maybe you get an escalator, an elevator down and you just sit in your Rolls Royce the whole time. But anyway, it's got to be a a nice car to drive, though. It it is a nice car. I mean, it's not sporty. You know, it sort of wallows around a little bit, uh, you know, in the company. But it's just. Yeah, if you could live with like the idea of the just like. I'm rich statement that it makes. And obviously don't buy one if you can't, Uh, you know, that it's just, it's just a nice way to travel. The only thing about it, particularly driving it around LA is it's so big that, 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 that slightly means it's slightly cumbersome just because you're just always conscious of its, you know, scale and mass and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. And it's also just fun. Like at that end of the market, when you realize like just the quality of the craftsmanship and the, the leather and the word and the way that they do it. The only thing that sort of I didn't like was it still has like a touch screen in the middle with, we talked about this before, like a load of BMW graphics. And I love what Bentley does with that rotating dashboard thing. So you can kind yeah. of make it look analog. You can't get away from the fact that you've still got a big BMW touch screen in the center of the dash. Uh, but then at least it works. So yeah, it's cool. I was thinking about getting it. I've always wanted a, like you know the 80s like a turbo bentley turbo r or mulsanne or something yeah i know they're like horrifically expensive to run they're cheap to buy horrifically expensive to run but i've always quite fancied one just as a sort of like way of chugging around i was just looking at uh uh, 
some of the auctions coming up in Arizona next week. And um, RM Auction is doing their their event, which is always a, a really wonderful event just to walk around and see the cars uh, at the Biltmore. And, in, you know, they got some in a parking garage and they're all on the front of the lawn in this, you know, amazing, you know, hotel. Uh, and they have a, a 2008 Maybach and a 2010 Rolls-Royce Phantom extended wheelbase. These are half a million dollar cars when they were new. And now, yeah, I remember. I, I remember flying to New York for the Maybach launch. Yeah, and, and the Maybach, and this is the '62, right? It's the or the '62 S or whatever it is, whatever yeah. the flagship one. The, with the um, with the sort of business class seats in the back, yeah, which at the time was like a huge novelty. Which, by the way, you look at the Rolls Royce and you look at the Maybach. The the Maybach looks dated. It just looks like an older S class. And the Rolls Royce is the one that still kind of has the classic line to it. And honestly, over the last 10 or 15 years, you really can't tell that much of the difference between a 2010 and a 2020, which is kind of what they were going for. Both of those cars, the estimate is a hundred to $150,000. These were I half would... a million dollar cars. You could go buy. For, I'd be astonished uh, if the Maybach gets that much money. I I've seen so, them like too. way cheaper than that. Yeah. I remember going to, I did the, the launch of that in New York and there was a really, and then I met the guy who designed a guy called Olivier Boulay. They went to Mitsubishi and he told me once he was at Mitsubishi about like the story of it. And it was designed as like a posh S class, which is why it looked like an S class. Yeah. And then somebody in Mercedes says, hang on a minute, we can't charge like 300 grand for something that looks like it. That's basically an S class. So he said, right. Call it a Maybach. And they came up with this whole rebrand. And it never really worked for them, which is why Maybach is now sort of Mercedes Maybach. And they've gone back to like the original idea of let's just do a kind of tarted up, um, you know, fancy looking S-Class. So it's uh, it was a really interesting story though about how they kind of made a hash of it. But it was designed to be a Mercedes. Then suddenly it was a Maybach. And I remember the chief designer saying, this thing was, you know, like they just kept layering stuff on because it's like, if it's 300 grand, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And he's like, luxury is simplicity. And I think that's what Rolls-Royce gets right and where my guy has gone wrong. Yeah, really. yeah, in Bentley. Rolls-Royce and Bentley. I, I would never spend 100 grand on one of those. I mean, they weren't that I've had a ride. I remember like being picked up in one once on some Mercedes event. They're not They're not that great, to be honest. Uh, on the Maybach. The, the, the Rolls-Royce. No, the Phantom, that would still be quite a cool thing to have. Uh, I mean, it would. Like, I, I would just... We talked about this on our trips to to Monterey was like, that's your, for a hundred grand, you have it. Like if you, you know, if you, obviously if you have the, the money, you, you buy and you do like your road trip once a year from LA to Monterey car week. And it's the nicest drive you're going to have. And you, you know, you, you put a few thousand miles a, a year, maybe just spending a week driving up to Monterey car week and driving it around and bring it back. And, uh, and, and it's going to be the nicest ride, tons of room, and you can fit people in it. It's going to be super comfortable. And then you park it, and you drive it again next year or to yeah. the next event. Like, it's the greatest road trip car. But but you also know that every time you hear a creak, you're going to be thinking, that's 50 grand. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. You fix every... yourself. You fix yourself. Yeah. Um, shifting gears a little bit here. Uh, uh, this is probably not so much in the wheelhouse of Edmunds, but Ford's big press release um, this week, their big event was of Ford's involvement in racing that we know that they were going to commit to racing. Um, and then uh, Farley had some statement during the presentation and he said, we're going to continue with gas engines until, uh, uh, until the government bans them. And 
that somehow turned out in the media to Farley says the government's going to ban gas engines. <laughs> and that's not what he said. He was just sort of. But the government is going to ban gas engines at some point. Well, and like, his point was but, just like, we're just going to keep going with gas engines until yeah. somebody tells us officially that we can't do it anymore. Yeah. And then that wasn't. The statement was, we're going to keep going with gas engines, but instead, somehow the media turned this into, Farley says the engine, gas engines are going to be banned. So, uh, I don't know. It just but this, of, was a, this was a North this was in North Carolina, isn't it? Where I, I guess EV penetration is probably not that high. Not that very not that high at all. But uh, they unveiled some cool cars. We knew they were going to do GT3 and GT4, and they're going to get in some cool cars. Now they unveiled some of the cars with the livery on it. Um, they're going to do the uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. They're going to do the FIA World Endurance Championship. They unveiled some of the new Mustangs with that. And when you kind of see what's going on, um, interesting that we're really seeing the racing cars after the GTD Mustang Supercar that was launched at Monterey. Although the GTD is sort of the afterthought, sort of the streetcar version of what Multimatic was building with Ford with the racing cars. But now you see the similarity, especially with that rear wing where the where the stanchions come off of like the C pillar for that. And uh, uh, I was talking earlier about like, yeah, it's an interesting design. Why does the rear wing come off like that? And I go, well, you know what? If you think about it, if it came off the deck, the deck lid, it would probably block a lot of the rear vision and with the wing up so high and these stanchions coming off of the pillars you probably have pretty good visibility out the rear window without anything blocking you so that's probably part of the design and i'm sure there's some structural thing that they've got going on to make it work um those racing cars look good uh if you're if you like drag racing you guys know i'm a fan of drag racing bob tasca is is got the new mustang funny car and you know, as far as making it look like a Mustang, it's basically just stickers. Right. But the funny car does have a Mustang dark horse look to it. And it it looks badass. It's a cool looking dragster. And again, if you guys haven't gone out to NHRA to a live event, it's it's worth going to. It it blows your mind. It's so loud. <laughs> it's uh it reminds me of the old Ford Rally car where it's like, oh, this is like basically the production focus. And it's like, right. What part is the production focus? And they're like the door handle, the door. Yeah, and I was like, hey, anything else? No. Yeah. What about the badge? No, not the badge. I, <laughs> I I went out to an I went out to some event out here at the Coliseum, and uh, Tanner Faust was out there, and like the I don't know, it was the focus maybe the Fiesta it was like a rallycross Fiesta, and it was configured for the you know to go down the hill and do. A, a few things in the Coliseum out here and then spit it back out at the top of a hill, almost like nitro circus in a car. And I was like, it's a tiny engine, whatever. It's like, how much boost are you running? And he's like 60 pounds of boost. <laughs> I was like six, zero 60 pounds. He's like, yeah, all the power is just boost. It's just boost. Yeah. It's the whole thing, but it does about 10 miles before exploding. Uh, that's it. It's, it's so stressed. Like those uh, things were just popping engines uh, left and right. I once went to a Nitro Circus event in London, and it was the weirdest thing, because if you take the Americana out of one of those events, it's just really weird. It, uh, I, yeah, I guess. I guess it could because, be. Because, like, you've I, just got an audience that's not, like, as, you know, you take all the whooping and the cheering and, like, the full engagement, and you get, like, a slightly more sort of, like, subdued crowd. It's just, the, it's just such a weird thing. 
But it was still fun. I mean, those guys, what those guys do is pretty impressive. And they put on a good show for sure. They I was do. just, I just a, maybe a month or two ago, I was uh, visiting Andy Bell. Um, he's one of the partners there, one of the founders of that. He did all the crazy stuff back in the day and he runs a big production company and they still involved in the Nitro Circus stuff. But, um, you know, we just had conversations about it back in the day and just, just all the stuff they broke on themselves and on vehicles. They just so much carnage for them and Travis Pastrana and all those guys just constantly, constantly in pain. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it looks really dangerous and it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, the other vehicle that they brought out to this big Ford event was the F-150 Lightning switch gear and the switch gear is Ford went to Von Gittin Jr. and his RTR company and said, let's make an off-road version of the Lightning. So the powertrain is essentially the same. There's no real need to change it. 580 horsepower, 775 pound-feet of torque. But they essentially did like a carbon fiber wide body. It's it's even wider than a Raptor, significantly wider. I don't know, like six inches or eight inches or something like that. Uh, significantly wider than the Raptor, but has a lot of the, sh the suspension on it. It's got uh, something like, I don't know, 11 inches of wheel travel in the front, 13 in the rear, um, double wishbone suspension in the front, multi-link independent in the rear uh, with long coilovers. It's got um, uh, the Fox three-inch diameter internal bypass shocks and stuff on it. So they just made just crazy off-road version of the vehicle. And they've got all these videos of Von getting flying through the air and this thing. But quietly, that's the thing. It's, it's quiet. <laughs> we actually did a, a news piece on it edmunds.com yeah. slash news and like what we were kind of figuring like what ford has tended to do in the past is you know is this a lightning raptor or are they like testing the market you know a lot of times will do something like this partly to get a lot of social media buzz but also just to kind of get a taste of like is there real interest in this sort of thing because you could you know lightning sales as we talked about are struggling at the moment a little bit i think it's fair to say so does yeah. something like this a work as a kind of halo product LB, are they just starting to feel out? Is there interest in like a lightning raptor? Because it would be a cool, it'd be a cool thing. All that it's, talk and it, it's an interesting piece. I I I can't say for sure. I think this is right now just mostly a demo vehicle of sorts because the idea of a raptor going off-road and doing some of that stuff often means you have to drive a couple of hours to get to that locate to the location where you're going to be doing that stuff. And, and the Raptor, obviously, I mean, the uh, lightning, not ideal for that scenario. There's, you know, again, it's an infrastructure thing. It's not really a vehicle thing per se. Um, but putting like full up Recaro, like off-road seats in it and putting three captain's chairs, Recaro's in the back, harnesses, fun ride along event. I'm sure you're going to see this thing at like a Ford out front event at SEMA and giving, giving ride alongs out there. Uh, and they'll use it for that. Um, now there's a sport truck on road version that they were working on as well. It's essentially the same thing, but instead of it's still carbon fiber body, carbon fiber fenders, but instead of the metal skid plates and stuff, they get rid of all that. They do carbon fiber bumper covers, and then lower it a bit. And I think they've only released the rendering of it. I don't think there's like a whole truck built yet. I'm not quite sure where they are on the status of that, but doing a sport truck version of it. Now that's more interesting. Will they autocross that? Will they throw that around the track a little bit to see, maybe take that to Goodwood, do the hill climb? Because they had the super van out 
you know, last year. That I forced doing some really cool stuff like the Mackie Rally, which is is going on sale. You know, yeah. that, I haven't driven it yet, but that looks a really cool concept. Um, you know, I, I think this is it. Like, you know, when the leader of the company sets the tone and, you know, Jim Farley is a massive motorsport fan. It's a bit like when, you know, Akita to- uh, Toyota was running running Toyota and they suddenly call it, came out with cool cars again. You know, that if you set the tone and, you know, it's still their heartland as well. And, you know, they're still trying to, it's a big challenge, like how you transition to EV land or hybrid land, but keep that, take that audience on the journey with you. So, you know, trying to merge together, like, and of course they're going into Formula One as well with Red Bull, and that's going to be a hybrid powertrain and we're already working on that. So, you know, there's some interesting times ahead. If I was Vaughn Gittin Jr. and I was sitting there with, with the team of Ford, I would have pitched the same thing. I would have been, I would like, let's, you've, you've got a lightning, let's do something fun with it. And we'll just make a fun exhibition vehicle out of it. And if, you know, like, can we do it? Is it going to break? I don't know, but let's draw some attention to the platform. If anything, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to show that it's, it could be a tough vehicle. It could be a durable vehicle. All of this stuff that we're, focusing on or either the range or some of the recalls or liability issue stuff but ford is going it's still a, a an f-150 and it's you know for what it's worth built ford tough is what they're trying to say so vaughn's like yeah let's just beat one up and see what happens like i don't know let's just do it i would yeah. i would jump on that project that seems like it'd be fun and ken block bless him had already done it with the audi as well so it's not yeah. you know there's still there's precedence there so yeah it's it's i think everybody's trying to say look you know, the world's changing a bit. The sort of things that we're going to do are changing, but, you know, we've still got to keep having fun because that's what people want to do. So it's good. And it's not just, the other thing is, it's like, I'm a bit bored of all this. Ah, we do zero to 60 in two seconds, or we do it in 1.9. Frankly, like everything's super fast. We talked about the roles doing four seconds. You know, you don't need to go fast than that. So I think the fact that now people are saying, you know, we're seeing it with things like the Ionic, 5n from hyundai that they're now doing this like really exciting little hot hatchback with 600 horsepower i think that for me is where it's starting to get interesting that people have said all right everybody knows you can go fast in a straight line actually the interesting bit is can we make these things super fun and you know ford's getting on getting on getting hold of that hyundai's getting hold of it so that's that for me that for me is the main interest i like that uh the ionic 5n i think that's a that's going to be a fun little vehicle. I yeah. I would I would say as you guys are sitting in your planning meetings going, oh, what what cars do we need to bring to our test track? That would be the number one on my list. Uh, I go, I can't wait to get our hands on that thing uh, and just thrash it through the paces and see what it can do. And who cares yeah. if it gets 125 miles of range at the end of the day after you guys are dogging on it. It was like, eh, who cares? Just around town, it, it's small, it's low to the ground, it's it's probably insanely quick. I bet it's a, going to be a blast to drive. Yeah, and it's a nice size. So I my wife's car, our family car, is a GV60, which is basically the same thing. And that's got 300, was it 333, 40 horsepower? And even that feels pretty rapid. And then the I, you know, the, the, the N has got over 600. So yeah. You got the little boost button on the steering wheel of your- That's of the your... performance. We didn't get the performance. Yeah. It's too much money, but it's got the sport mode. And you put it in sport mode and it retunes everything. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice little car, that Genesis. So yeah, I drove it. that one as well, and I kind of like that. And w- with the button on the dash is, 
I drove one of the Audis uh, the other day and I liked it, but getting it into sport mode, you have to go to the modes button and can and switch it to it. And then you're like, oh, if I just want to stretch its legs a little bit on an on ramp, you have to kind of get it in your head. You want to do that ahead of time. And then I was thinking about the Genesis going, oh, but it just has this big silly button right on the steering wheel. You could just hit and it gives you whatever nine seconds or five seconds of of this boosted power. And I go, eh, you don't have to kind of overthink it. So you do use it a little bit more than than switching into the sport mode of of other cars. I drive my yeah. my Mustang. I've been driving my Mustang Mach One for a couple of weeks now, and I don't really. I mean, it's fast. It's got the twin turbo and stuff on it, but I haven't really changed the mode of it because you go to the switch and you look at the dash, you see what's going on. If it just had the button on the on the steering wheel, it was just like, you know, even it's the simulated boost button. Uh, I thought that was a, a fun little feature that I found I was using more in the Genesis uh, than digging into some of the modes of these other cars. Talking of Mustangs, we're about to offload our GT500. And I drove that every time we've had that for years. And every time I drive it, I'm like, this is the last time I've driven it. And I drove it home and then somebody else picked it up. And I was like, that probably is the... The swan song. I've absolutely loved it. I we should talk about your social media outreach. I don't know who it was, but the, for the for the record, I love America. I love so many American cars. <laughs> yeah, you somebody, should tell uh, the story, Matt. Somebody somebody sent me a message going, uh, listen, we, we like the podcast, like you guys are starting to put them up on YouTube. Um the but what's with the British guy not liking American cars? I go, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really picking up on that completely. I think I think you're you're fine with American cars. I bought and... a Tesla. I mean, whether I mean, I guess it depends what you call American cars. Like oh, Tesla's, but no, I mean, like Mustang GD five hundred. Now the price, like now the price has started to drop on those things. Like I wish I'd like. I, I'm not going to buy it, but I but I, I'd love to have bought it off the off the company because it's been such an amazing car. And I just love what I love about it is the fact that you know you can drive it home for my drive is like Santa Monica to Manhattan Beach where 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 I live, and so it's all like. 30 mile an hour stuff but even at 30 miles an hour it just feels so much fun you know you give it a little squirt and it lights up a little bit it and sounds every time ridiculous. you get in it you 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 open the exhaust and stuff on it you yeah. just like you could go like you said 30 miles an hour but you're in sport mode doing it so uh, i'm in track uh, mode you press yeah you put it into track mode on the exhaust and it, it always says you know refer to manual which basically says don't do this you're ob you know you've been an obnoxious arsehole <laughs> so of course you you know you push it push okay and then like give it the full but you know yeah it's it's, but a, it's a it's bright a cool orange gt500 so already yeah you're being obnoxious and people are yeah. already noticing you on the car so it's yeah it's, it's a bit like driving funny. the rolls yeah yeah it's a bit like driving the rolls as far as uh that's concerned but, but I have, yeah. How many miles? I am you guys almost got on American that? now. How many what? How many miles? Twenty. Uh, is it twenty-five? Something like twenty-five thousand. I mean, it's probably one of the most high mileage yeah. GT five hundreds out there. It I think it's twenty-seven. Is. Yeah, yeah. It it's had a good is. life. I, listen, it, it's got twenty-five thousand miles on it because, uh, any way you look at it, your staff likes driving that car. It, yeah, everyone. I mean, it, it's hard. It's impossible not to. It's such yeah. a, it, and, and it's so benign. And I guess the one thing is, I think there's going to be another one, isn't it? They're going to probably do another one. As this, maybe this is the last one. Um, there, so it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I can say with some confidence, there's going to be some Shelby version of a Mustang happening. We we have the dark horse, uh, 
but the dark horse again is a naturally aspirated version it basically replaced either the bullet or the mach one depending on what yeah and it's not that sharp it's not a shelby yeah and it's it's not a shelby so there's gonna be a shelby at some point uh there it just makes sense for to to fit in the lineup you fill in all the blanks between EcoBoost and all the way up to even GTD, I guess you could say, but you kind of fill in the blanks there and uh, there's going to be some sort of hotter version of the Mustang, hotter version than the, than the dark horse. So, um, all right. What do you say? We're going to wrap things up for, uh, for today. We're going to try to get another show in the can for next week. And then I'm going to head out to uh, uh, Arizona auction week. Big big thing next week. We're launching uh, on the twenty fourth our Edmunds Top Rated Awards. So uh, I think next week's show is going to be devoted to talking about the runners and riders and the winners. That's been a huge project. I don't think people ever really appreciate how much work goes into these things. But really excited to be unveiling it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I can't wait to get to, you know hear what you guys were getting into. Over but um, yeah, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. So until next time. Keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.